The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the show. All persons described or mentioned in the podcast should be considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This podcast contains subject matters such as violence and graphic descriptions along with adult language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, we wanted to take this time to shout out a super fan of ours and his band. The band is Old Coffins, and this is Mr. Paul has been converting our MP3 audio files to the dreaded MP4 that takes me so long, and we are working on updating that YouTube channel with his help. So do us a favor, do him a favor, go find Old Coffins on Facebook. You can also look them up at oldcoffins.bandcamp.com. Give them a like and help him out. Let's get the word out for one of our super fans. On October 7th, 2015, a man was found lying in the fetal position in the tall, dry weeds along the side of LaGrange Road in LaGrange, California. His motorcycle was found on its side about a quarter mile away. His possessions were scattered near his body, a pair of pants, a phone charger, gloves, a broken cell phone, a disposable camera, and the bag they had been in. His driver's license was also found next to his head. But the strangest thing about this case is the murder weapon. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of the Zip Tie Murder. Approximately 10.53 hours, our deputies responded out here. Uh, CHP was an original response along with fire and medical aid. Uh, once they recite, uh, arrived on scene, they determined uh, they located one subject here along with a crashed motorcycle. Uh, it's a, being investigated. Uh, one subject is, is deceased. It's being investigated at this time as a homicide. Um, no information is going to be released at this time uh, pending the investigation and pending autopsy. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in Georgia. They don't call him one take coach for nothing. I mean, it's been a minute since you knocked one out that long. That what, was pretty damn good. You're on your A game. You're on your A game. Like, man, I can't. Well, we know I can't do one take sober. We <laughs> know I can't do one take drunk. I hit the Goldilocks tonight. I'm just right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. We got two weeks left of school. I'm stressed the fuck out, and I don't give a fuck. Me and you both, brother. So last weekend, yes, last weekend, let's just say I inherited a kegerator, and I went ahead and cleaned the lines, filled up the CO2 tank, and got me a keg. And we had discussed a couple of weeks ago that it wasn't pouring right. So Saturday, about four o'clock, my wife's like, Hey, let's build a fire and, you know, let's sit around. We've got some pizza that we can heat up and we'll just hang out. And I was like, yeah. And so I start messing with the keg. And so I'm trying to dial the CO2 in. Well, I, I, I guess my own stupidity, I was taking, cause it says it has 42 pints in it. So the way I read that is you can't, you can't drink less than a pint at a time. I mean, it'll throw up the 
the count. <laughs> That's some sound fucking logic right there, my brother. So I have to keep up with how many pints I have gone through there so I know how many is left. I mean, it, it is sound. But what I do not recommend is trying to dial in the CO2 while drinking a pint at a time and it taking you eight or nine pints to get it just right. <laughs> Let's say by about one o'clock in the morning, I was by myself at the fire singing Chris Stapleton and God knows what else came on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sunday morning, I woke up and I was like, that was not smart. That was not smart on your part. You know that Hank Williams song, you know, all my rowdy friends have settled down. When he said the hangovers hurt more than they used to, that motherfucker was not lying, dude. No, I remember when I could do that, get up and go work an eight-hour shift and have like a in- like manual labor. Yeah, have like a Gatorade, <laughs> eat some greasy food, and be okay. Hell, it takes me damn near two days to get over it now. <laughs> yeah, for real. If I'm gonna tie one on, it's got to be Friday. If I tie one on Saturday, I'm suffering at work on Monday. Yeah, it's awful, man. It's awful, and I don't have you know. There's a, I know I should stop, but there's that that line that's like, man, just go ahead, have another one, have another one. And then, Dude, oh, you ain't you preaching to the choir, man. <laughs> my 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 brain says, man, you are feeling so good right now. One more gonna make it better. <laughs> like you've had eight beers and you feel great. If you had eight more, you'd feel double great. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just not fucking true anymore. No, it's not. <laughs> and I know, but like now, I will say that I was trying to at least about. Pint number six, I was trying to drink a bottle of water in between pints. That doesn't work either. You just fill right, up. What, by what, what number pint? Six. Oh, no, you done lost that battle. Yeah, that yeah. I just, over. I just, it just made me pee faster. So, and I had to wake yeah. up in the middle of the night still drunk and try to pee. So, but anyway. Oh, God. Yeah. When, <laughs> when you got a, Enlarged prostate due to old age and you're drinking beer and water. Yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. I told you that in confidence, but okay, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, no uh, new patrons on the Patreon front, but that doesn't mean we're not out there still actively wanting you to join. We do, we do, we do. Uh, We had a case suggested to us and just the way it kind of fell in the order of things it's probably going to be solved so we may be looking at knocking that one out on patreon only coach and i are going to shit on some cryptids here coming up Um, yeah boy i'm looking forward to that one anytime i can shit on something i'm I'm excited So that's the uh, what you get to look forward to if you are a Patreon patron from the sticker tier on up. We are still trying to figure out how to, well, when I say we, that means me, how yes. to video yes, the actual <laughs> podcast so you can see our lovely faces and our cool new background. 
Well, you know what they say, man. Video killed the radio star, and I just don't really – I'm not too keen on people seeing what I look like. <laughs> we could do those. my voice is quite sultry, and people are like, man, that must be a good-looking motherfucker. <laughs> and they go watch the video and be like, damn. We could I've do those uh, – what's that thing in uh, – Zoom's got something where you can do those avatars. That's what we ought to do. We could just, we could just do avatar heads. <laughs> people are going to see my face and be like, I have never been more disappointed – except when Geraldo opened Al Capone's vault. <laughs> or you finally saw uh, Tim, the tool man, Taylor's neighbor from the eyeballs down. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what I'm here. That's what I'm here. <laughs> All right. So uh, on the odd front, I guess you can say we're still top 50 in Guyana. I mean, we probably everybody on the Island now or Island, everybody on the, in the country's probably listens to us now. So, I mean, that's, well, I mean, we're, we've got a lot of buzz there, man. Or maybe we should do a Guyana case. Well, there's only one that I know of, and I don't want to jump down that rabbit hole. What's that one? Jim Jones. That's not a mystery, though. I know. Well, well, there is a little bit of mystery in there, and it, it, but we'll, we'll get into that later. Uh, let's do this, man. We have, this is another user request, and... As Coach was alluding to in the opening, this one's a little... Wait, 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 wait. We got the Guiana coconut pick, picker murders remain unsolved. Well, there you go. <laughs> We're about to crack the top ten. <laughs> teenage, two teenage, two teenage? What the fuck is teenage? I don't know. Two teenage boys who had gone to pick coconuts were found hacked to death in September 2020. Put it on the board. We might need to take it. Yes, sir. We might need to. Yana Coconut Picker Murders. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard I'm it here first. It right now. Well, it's about time you picked up something and sent it to me. I'm going to send it to you right now, bro. I appreciate you, bro. <laughs> All right. Robert Cope was born on October 15th, 1961 in Texarkana, Texas. You don't let me interrupt you. <laughs> Shit. You got to start over. <laughs> he was the second of three children. No, start over. I didn't talk through all that oh, shit. Jesus, here we go again. All right. All right. Take seven. Rob- Three, two, <laughs> one, go. I can't do it now, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell. All right. Robert Cope was born on October 15th, 1961 in Texarkana, Texas. He was the second of three children and the only son of William Bill Cope and Dorothy Joe Cope. Known as Rob to his family and friends, he would attend school at Grimm Elementary then move on to Pine Street Junior High and finally Texas Senior High in Texarkana, Texas. He also attended the Tehran American School in Tehran, Iran in 1972 and 1973. Now, this is a its own thread, sub-thread, I guess is what you would call it, in Reddit when you look this case up because there are a bajillion theories as to why he was in, or better yet, why his family was in Tehran. But what I was able to piece together was at that time, there were still 
Christian missionaries being allowed into Iran. So that's more than likely why him and his family were there. Now, while Rob was at Pine Street Junior High, he would join the school band. But when he moved to the Tehran American School, he began playing American football there and continued that when he got back to the States. Now, Rob completed some college courses through the Community College of the Air Force and the University of Maryland Overseas Campus. And one thing that his family and friends would say about him was that he was on the go since he was able to walk. He loved to be outside. He loved to be running, playing. His friends said that he basically rode his bike and skateboard everywhere during his elementary and junior high days. Now, Rob's family states that there were many summer days where Rob would get up right as the sun was coming, take off on his bike or his skateboard with his friends, and come back right as the sun was starting to set. Because he knew better than to bring his tail home after the porch light come on. Oh, you don't do that. No, sir, not no. That would be unwise. Very, very, very. Now, he also liked the outdoors and would spend most summers fishing and water skiing on the family's boat. The family would go camping at Lake Elliott, and Rob would hike most of the day with his sisters and spend time on the boat in the evenings fishing with his dad. Rob loved visiting the local game warden at the lake, who would tell Rob about all of his escapades in the great outdoors from the last time Rob had seen him. Rob joined the Boy Scouts and was a scout for over 10 years, reaching the rank of patrol leader and life rank. Let me stop you for a second. Where do you find all this information, man? Seriously, like, <laughs> I, I must not be, like, a good enough researcher as you because I did do my due diligence and try to research this case, but I didn't find none of this. This is amazing. Uh, I have procured a VPN and you can change where your IP address is coming from. And uh-huh, that must be why. And when you do not put the U.S., there's a lot of shit on the Internet that is not available in the U.S. I have. Really? Uh, yes. I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, I, I couldn't. I did like three hours of research and then I was like, then I double checked that this was the right case. <laughs> I was like, this is the one you're talking about, right? Because if not, I'm screwed. But I didn't find none of this, like his background information or nothing like that. That's pretty fucking amazing, dude. I'm just, I don't give you a lot of compliments, but. This is the second one this year. Y'all, y'all write it down. We're on, we're not even halfway. I've gotten two before June. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. I'm sorry. Carry on, sir. Thank you, I didn't sir. mean to interrupt. Now, Rob would purchase his first car with money he had been saving from a couple of part-time jobs. It was a 1961 Corvair that needed a lot of work. And he looked at it as a project, his family and friends would say. He loved working on it, but in 1963, he purchased his first motorcycle. And from that point on, no more cars for Rob. He was hooked on the motorcycle. I can't, I can't, I can't do motorcycles, man. I'm too big of a pussy, I guess. If you offered me a million dollars, I would not ride a motorcycle. If you offered me $10 million, I still wouldn't get on the back of a motorcycle with someone else driving. Really? I'd chicken walk the shit out of that son of a bitch. (laughs) 
All right, so on August 1st, 1980, Rob joins the U.S. Air Force as an aircraft environmental systems mechanic. He spent five years in the service working on the support systems of the Lockheed Martin C-130 Hercules and the Lockheed Martin C-141 Starlifter transport plane. His military stations included Little Rock Air Force Base in Little Rock, Arkansas, Charleston Air Force Base in Charleston, South Carolina, Soto Keno Air Force Base in Honduras, the RAF Lakenheath in Great Britain, and Hon Air Force Base in the Germany. In 1985, after Rob was honorably discharged from the Air Force, he moved to Alexandria, Virginia, and completed training in both HVAC system maintenance and electrical engineering. He would land his first job in 1987 with Car America in Washington, D.C. Now, Car would transfer Rob to the San Francisco office in early 1995. And according to his coworkers and also his family, as soon as Rob got to California, he fell in love with the state. Now, he would leave Carr a few years after being transferred there, but he would take a job with VeriSign Incorporated in Mountain View, California, as a data systems infrastructure manager. Rob would leave VeriSign for a contracting firm where he would manage the infrastructure for a Fortune 500 company that was not disclosed. But in 2013, Rob took some time off to be with his parents. Now, in his obituary, this time off is called a sabbatical, but a little background information on this sabbatical. I have a feeling that Rob had a lot of money saved up. And the reason I feel this way is if you can say that you're taking a sabbatical and you live in California and you're going to visit your parents who now live in South Carolina and you'd ride a motorcycle between those two states, you got a lot of money and a lot of time to see the country. I am 100% extremely jealous. I want that kind of money. I would love to be able to ride a motorcycle, which I can't. I don't have any aspirations to, but if I had that kind of money, I would love to ride across the country like that and see the little podunk towns and stuff. But he did it pretty regularly, according to his family and friends. Now, it sounds like that Rob always loved taking the back roads that led him to some kind of picturesque lake or a spectacular overview. He was always taking pictures when he rode cross country, documenting his trips and new little spots that he would find. He loved to fish. So he always had a fishing rod with him. Now it was during his sabbatical that Rob, according to his friends, taught himself how to play the guitar, the bass, the ukulele and the drums. Now, From what you see online and in some articles, it sounds like his discretionary funds began to run a little low and he landed another job with an engineering firm, Digital Reality, also based out of California. Not only did he teach himself all of those instruments, he had a passion for collecting the vinyl records. It is estimated that he had a collection in the thousands 
according to his sister, Michelle. He had original, first-cut original albums ranging from some of the top classical artists all the way to hard rock. Now, in his new love of music, he also started a new hobby, and that was buying old stereos, tube amplifiers, and speakers, and refurbing them back to their glory days. Uh, his friends in California would say that he would even make his own cables and tubes, soldering broken wires and mixing paint to restore the old equipment to its glory days. On October the 6th, 2015, at 627 a.m., Rob texted his girlfriend that he was leaving his friend's home in Oroville and planned to stop at a Starbucks before beginning his journey home to San Jose, California. Around 10.30, Rob would text her a picture of a blackberry bush. Now, everything you read about his girlfriend online comes from either the Modesto Bee or the Sacramento Bee, and basically it's the same article. It One of them says Sacramento Bee, the other one says Modesto Bee. But she did speak to the author of the article, and... Her name has been kept out of the press as far as I could tell. But he had texted her a picture of a blackberry bush because that was her favorite berry. Now, sometime between 11 and 11.30 a.m., Rob called his girlfriend to say that he was near Grass Valley and planned to go fishing at a lake. At the time that he calls her, he had told her that he was not sure whether or not he was going to spend the night there and camp out. Shortly after this phone call, he sends her a text and says that he would be coming home that evening because he had just remembered that he had a new job interview on the 7th of October, which was the next day, and a dental appointment on the 8th, two days away. Now, she was not overly worried because Rob often changed his plans while he was on the motorcycle traveling between his home and wherever. When she woke up the next morning and Rob was not home, she began to panic. She contacted Rob's family members, started calling hospitals, and called the police. Now, about the same time that she's making calls trying to locate Rob, a man walks into a LaGrange market, you guessed it, in LaGrange, California, stating he did not have a phone and had seen a man's body on the side of the road. He asks the store worker to call 911, and then he turns around and leaves. Now, there is reference in an article from the Modesto Bee that the clerk called her mom, who was traveling with a friend in the area that the guy described, and where he supposedly saw this body. Sure enough, the clerk's mom and her friend, who she was traveling with, find Rob in the fetal position in some tall dead grass near a fence off LaGrange Road and called 911. Scattered around him were a pair of pants, a phone charger, gloves, a disposable camera, and a bag. All of that stuff had been in. What is odd is his driver's license was laying perfectly on top of a red coin purse Next to his head. That's what's weird. Well, the I ain't fact got, that he was killed with a zip tie. Well, that's I was getting to that. Boy, you just jumped that the shot. That seems so difficult to me, though. 
Yes. Do you think without some sort of, I don't know, I don't see you being able to physically just using your hands pull a zip tie tight enough to end someone's life. I had, I, mean, I did all right. So I did enough to annoy the shit out of them and make them <laughs> suffer. I mean, I mean, I'm being serious. I mean, that sounds funny, but I'm being serious. Like, there's a limit to how tight you can tie them. You can pull them. Right, and the I did not click on them, but there are some. I guess this is more prevalent. Um, it's a more prevalent way of suicide than you would think, because there were several video thumbnails that showed how you could do it and it would tighten it down to where basically it cuts the blood flow to your carotid. You pass out and then you you're gone. I mean, yeah, no, I know that. I mean, I, I believe me, I do jujitsu. I know what happens when you cut the blood flow off from the carotid. Well, no, what they were saying was that it's basically, it was one of those things where I saw a description. I, I sure as hell wasn't about to click on the link, but anyway, as you're pulling, you're going to click through the point of no return. And the first thing that happens is that carotid is shut off and you pass out and then you've already gone say four or five clicks past just that. So now you start to suffocate. That's the way it was described to me or described to me. Shit. The way I read the description, but yes, I will say this. If it was not one of those big, thick, I'd say half inch zip ties, you were talking about some tremendous force being I don't I don't know. I don't wanna I don't even want to theorize how you could get it. You you would almost have to use something like a garot to to anchor that thing to to get enough yeah, leverage. How do, you, how do you garot a zip tie though? You can put it in a pair of pliers, because I've done that when I've tried. I, that's what I was thinking. I, I was about to, I was gonna, if you didn't say that, I was going to myself. Yeah, I've taken needle, no pl- needle nose pliers before, because we, when I coached girls softball, we sold uh, advertising banners, and we would zip tie them to the outfield fence, and that's the way I did it. We would go out there with a yeah. pair of pliers, but still, man. But, but, I mean, picture that scene. No, it's no, it's not something There's I want no to picture. wounds on him. No. There's no indication that he fought back. No, and you're telling me that he just allowed someone to put a zip tie around his neck and pull it tight with a fucking pair of pliers. Well, the other thing that I saw was you can almost it would have to be someone taller than him, but you would almost be able to. It would it's almost like those cuff things that are made from zip ties. They've already got them kind of looped. You would already have it looped and it would have to be like I'm saying it would have to be. God, man, I don't know. It would have to be bigger than two feet for you to go ahead and pre-loop it and have enough that you could just throw it around somebody over somebody's head to their neck and then yank. Because we're talking mere seconds to get all this accomplished before they're trying to get their fingers in there. What if what if he did it as he was driving by? Like if there was, let's say hypothetically, there was a loop big enough. Yes, that that's one thing that I had thought about as well. That you could, they do make them that that freaking big. And like he just happened to be, what they gonna have to dangle it on a wire or some shit or like fucking rodeo that I don't know. I don't it's, know. It's, it's crazy. It is crazy. Hence why it's all mysterious Bruce. Bingo. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and all your you know on Twitter and MySpace and 
What's uh, the America Online? Yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> American Messenger. Online Instant Messenger. We're still there, baby, on my Commodore sixty four. <laughs> <laughs> oh me. Hey guys, Arlo here, and if you are struggling with the old caffeine in the morning, I have got the fix for you. It is called Magic Mind, and it is just a little two-ounce shot that you drink with your coffee or your energy drinks in the morning. It is chocked full of greatness, and it will get you focused, and it really actually has the L-theanine. And that lowers your cortisol hormone, which helps absorb that caffeine that you're intaking. Now, Magic Mind has nootropics, adaptogens, matcha green tea, and 12 magical ingredients. That matcha boosts your energy. The adaptogens help with relaxation, and the nootropics keep you focused. A bonus is that it has vitamins C and D along with the echinacea to help your immunity. So head over to magicmind.co backslash brews and enter the promo code brews 20 that is brews 20 brews 20 and that will give you a 20% off coupon for either a one-time purchase or subscription to a monthly dose of magic mind but anyway, getting back to the scene of the crime, they said that, um, and here's another thing I, I noticed on Reddit. A lot of people have a misconception about a coin purse. It is literally a either little pouch with a clasp at the top that you actually keep coins in, or it is a zippered, almost like no, a credit I, card case. No, I don't think of the zippered one credit card case. I always think of the clasp. The two little knobs. Yeah, that yeah. Your grandmother, your grandmother had grandmother, one. Grandmother, yep. yes. One hundred. Yes. One hundred percent. Yeah, but they said that they had never seen that coin purse with Rob, and I think they were kind of making a. It's one of those things when you find it, it is odd, but it could have been one of those things that he picked up at like a a swap meet. They said that he loved going to some of the flea markets around San Francisco looking for vinyl records, you could pick up one of those little coin purses for about a dollar. And he may have just picked it up and thought, you know what? I'm going to throw that in the saddlebag of my motorcycle. That's a good way to keep all them coins from rolling around in that saddlebag. I don't have to worry about it. Or it could have been one of those things where he didn't keep coins in it. He kept something else in it. He could have kept a phone charger or God knows what else he could have kept in it. But I don't think that's his... They're trying to say that that's almost like a calling card kind of thing. It is odd that the, his license is placed right on top of the purse, but I think making a big deal of out of him having a coin purse is not that big of a an no, aha not moment. At all. I mean, really? Yeah, that was the a man's huge been thing. In one of the strangest ways in history, and we're going to focus on a coin purse. Yeah, yeah, and like really? Kurt's. Yeah, they did, man. They was like, I mean, that thread went, or subthread went on forever. God, I was like, "There's this is enough. And finally, somebody was like, why would a man carry a purse? And they were like, I think you have a misconception of the word purse. And so they had to explain it to them. But anyway, so investigators would locate Rob's motorcycle on its side about a quarter of a mile away from his body. And like Coach said, Around his neck was a zip tie, and that was the means in which he perished. 
probably the only one on record in the history of the world <laughs> from the dawn of man until now. To today. Quote, it was tightened down to the point that you weren't going to get a finger underneath it, retired Stanislaus County Sheriff's Department Detective Corey Brown stated. He goes on to say, with as tight as it went, just physiologically, I think he was probably unconscious within seconds. Like a carotid restraint applied correctly will normally render someone unconscious within 10 to 15 seconds. That's still a long fucking time. Oh, yeah. Now, even further from his body and further from his motorcycle, they would locate his cell phone, and it had been switched off. Quote, before we hung up, I reminded him to turn his phone off to save his battery in case of an emergency on the road, his girlfriend told the Modesto B in August of 2022. Quote, normally Rob would turn his phone off while riding anyway, but I wonder if his phone had been on would it have made a difference, end quote. And I don't think it would have because of the way that we've kind of described this situation. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, I, no, I, he's, I don't think he knows exactly what happened. That's how quick this happened, but we'll see. As investigators dug into Rob's life, they found an incredible fact, and that was that a girlfriend of his had perished with a zip tie around her neck in 2008. What? Yes, sir. I didn't see that at all. Yes. So there's two, at the very least two. Yes. On the, in the history of the world. And they would go on to state that not only did she perish from a zip tie around her neck, Rob was the lead suspect in her death. Oh, shit. Yes. According to his sister, Michelle, he said she had asked him to stay the night, but he decided to head back to his place instead. Quote, he felt terrible thinking if I had only stayed and her family kind of treated him as persona non grata being the last person who ever saw her. Well, you can't blame him for that. No, you can't. And the police did look at him very in-depth. And after, I think what I read was like three to six months, they eventually cleared him of any involvement. And they ruled her death a suicide in part, this just pisses me off, due to her history of suicide attempts. I mean, surely to God, that wasn't their only reason. That's the way everything I read about that brought this part up said that they ruled him out and ruled her death a suicide due to her multiple attempts at suicide. It just boggles my mind that, we, you know, it's, go back to the Smith case in fucking South Carolina. He had to be hit by a car. He was laying in the road. No, yeah, no. You're right about that. I mean, that's true. That's a good point. But anyway. In light of Rob's highly unusual death, however, investigators decide that maybe they want to take another look at the girlfriend's death. And they found it highly unlikely that Rob had committed a copycat suicide. The zip tie appeared tighter than someone could cinch it on their own neck, and Rob had made future appointments. There was the job interview plus a dentist appointment he had made, 
He seemed to be his usual self, calling and texting his girlfriend on the road home. And a search of his home also uncovered no zip ties at all, especially one matching the one around his neck. And I know that people are going to kind of brush over what I said about the fact that he had a job interview and he had a dentist appointment. What I really think with their investigation, authorities realized that if he was going to commit suicide, he had the perfect opportunity on these back roads on a motorcycle. He could have driven it off a cliff. He could have driven it into a lake. He could have driven it head on into a truck. And he chose not to. And then the fact that he had told her he was thinking about sleeping, basically he was going to camp out under the stars if he, if the fish were biting. And then he was like, no, I can't do that. I'm going to have to come home. I got that job interview in the morning and I got a dentist appointment the next day. So that's not, I think that's how police came to that realization. And I happen to agree with them. It Rob just doesn't sound like someone that is going to just pull over on the side of the road and start walking and put a zip tie around his neck. No. Who the, oh God, it's just, it's just crazy, man. Now detectives would shift gears and start investigating if this could be a retaliation killing, but Rob didn't follow set patterns on his road trips. Remember he always had retaliation the, for what though? The former girlfriend's for girlfriend? death. Yeah. For his girlfriend. Yeah. Ugh. His impulsivity in picking back roads seemed appealing in the moment would be almost impossible for a killer to, quote, lie in wait. Now, Detective Brown would state, the problem we run into is Mr. Cope didn't plan any of his routes. He didn't take the same route twice. He didn't go in a consistent manner where you would be able to lie in wait and intercept him. When investigators looked into Rob's credit card activity, there were only a few transactions, but they did find a charge in Sonora, California. Now, Rob's friends and family, hoping to generate leads, posted flyers with his picture at businesses between Sonora and LaGrange. A manager at Valero Gas Station in Sonora recognized him, though she didn't remember what time he came in. She did say that it would have been after her shift started at 3 p.m. She didn't remember anything out of the ordinary and didn't recall seeing anyone around him. Now, Stanislaus County Sheriff's Office Detective Jesse Tovar is the current lead investigator in Rob's death. He says that there are several persons of interest, including the man that first reported seeing him on the side of the road, primarily because there's nothing to rule that man out and no suspect has been identified. Also, a person of interest is a woman who stopped at the scene and took Rob's helmet. People will just take shit. Uh, yeah, you're right. But, I mean, why, though? She what, says... How, how valuable is a helmet? Well, she says after seeing reports of Rob's death, she contacted the detectives and returned the helmet and told them she just saw a helmet on the side of the road, picked it up, and never saw his body in the high grass. And she swears she didn't take anything else. So I don't know. Mm. I don't know what, I don't know if you. That, I mean, I like how, how much do you trust her? That, that's yeah, my thing. I stole, I stole this, but I can assure you 100%, sir, that I didn't take anything else. Oh, really? Now, investigators would state that they believe that someone had rummaged through Rob's belongings based on how they were scattered and are unsure if anything besides the helmet was missing from the scene. Now, robbery is considered a possible 
possible motive. A few months before Rob was killed, an older man was run off the road and robbed of a significant amount of money that he had just won at a casino in the area. There was no indication Rob had gone to any casino, but according to his sister, Michelle, he was known to carry what family would describe as hundreds of dollars in cash. Friends and family also state that Rob was the type of person who would stop without a second thought to help someone in need and believe it's possible that someone may have flagged him down under the guise of needing help only to rob and then kill him. A road rage incident has also been considered a possibility. The guise of needing help is where I kind of lean to, but you have to be a, it's almost, well, no, I take that back. It's not almost, it's nowhere fucking close, but you would have to be a sadist and know that you're looking to kill someone. And then under the guise of, Hey, do you have anything in your, this is the way I kind of played it out in my head. Hey, do you got anything in your bike that I, that you possibly could help you have? I don't know what the fuck they would be asking for, but anyway, and then he takes his helmet off. He goes to look in his saddlebag and then they've got that zip tie and then boom, they got it around his neck, yank it tight. He's dead within a minute. And then they take all of his cash. I don't know. I don't road rage seems to me a little road rage would be if he had been shot. I don't see, you know, you carrying out road rage with a, four foot zip tie already ratcheted in just in, just in case you were on go baby. So I don't know. I don't, I don't get the road rage incident. I do like the guys of needing help and being flagged down. Now detectives believe it's unlikely his killer is someone he knew due to the fact that he was 115 miles from home on a remote country road in an area which he had no connection to. His sister, Michelle still wonders if his death could be connected to the death of his former girlfriend seven years earlier. There's not any information that I could find about the girlfriend's case. It's only mentioned as a footnote when you look up Rob's case. Now, we do know that Rob had lived in the Bay Area since the late 1990s, so it's more than highly likely that his first girlfriend also lived in the Bay Area in the 90s. Now, because they are still considered evidence, Rob's sister, Michelle, has never been permitted to to see any of Rob's belongings investigators collected at the scene. But she said she and Rob's girlfriend never knew him to have a red coin purse. Now, remember, again, they're making a big deal out of this red coin purse. And while I think it's odd that his ID was strategically placed on it. I think there's too much emphasis on the coin purse. I think it's just part of the shit that was on him, and they just—I don't know why the why the coin purse. I don't know. I, I mean, there's like, you know, we always say like, if you went through, like when before my Jeep was totaled, if you if something happened to me and you went through my Jeep, there's shit in there that doesn't belong to me that belonged to my dad, and you'd be like, what? Got forty seven pounds of birdseed in his glove box now. I agree with you in the fact that there's way too much emphasis being put on this red coin purse. What I find odd about the, the, I guess the situation with the purse is I find it more strange that his license were the way it was. I read it was placed 
face up on the coin purse right next to his head. Not like it was strewn about like everything else, but like that was purposefully done so that when someone came by, they knew that was him. Yeah, I think that I, I would say there's more emphasis on the fact that it was a prop right, for the license. Yes, not that. the license to be prominent. Like You I see something I, red and then you go over there and there's his license. Well, I mean, you're just next to his head and it's propped up. So I think, I honestly think that he was more likely trying to point out who it was. Right, right. Than the coin purse. Who gives a shit? I know. It was probably just the fact that the coin purse was the right shape and weight to hold it up. Yeah, you know or, to or to make sure that, you, like you said, weight-wise, it's not going to be easily turned over and his license get thrown away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's weighted down. What importance could a coin purse have? When they opened the con, when they opened it up, and the contents was coins, what? I mean, seriously. I know. I agree with you. It sounds stupid, but there's 35 fucking comments on Reddit about this, and it just like I was scrolling through it, like people, this has this is not what we need to be concentrating on. The fucking zip tie is what we need to be concentrating on. But anyway, photos from that disposable camera that was found strewn about the scene were developed, but provided nothing of evidentiary value, Detective Tovar said. Items were sent to a lab for DNA testing, but the results didn't generate any additional clues. Quote, cases become cold because there's no more leads. I need people to come forward and try to resolve this for the victim as well as his family. Now, his sister Michelle said she shares her brother's story and hope that it will solve his killing and give her some peace. Quote, if I can keep one other person from losing a loved one in a terrible fashion like this, then it's worth it. What if this happened to your brother or sister or child, and all this time you don't know what had happened to them? Some resolution would help us sleep a little better at night, end quote. She makes a great point. Now, anyone with information on this case is asked to contact Detective Tovar at 209-525-7080. Information also may be provided to the Stanislaus Area Crime Stoppers at 209-521-4636. Remember, callers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward. Tips also can be submitted via stancrimetips.org. And Rob's family is also offering a $12,000 reward for information leading to a conviction in this case. So if you know uh, anything about Rob's case, or if you've heard anything about another victim that may have been strangled to death with a zip tie, give old Detective Tovar a call and then drop us a dime too, because this is a odd way to commit a murder. Yes, it is. It's very weird. We've already kind of beat around the bush about our theories, but I do, I think the, the, the guys of uh, impaired or not impaired, but uh, stranded motorist, uh, someone with like a fake tire, the hood up, or hell, even somebody else on a motorcycle, you know, pulled over. I think that's how they got him there. As soon as that helmet comes off, then. But again, you're a sadistic motherfucker. If you've got a zip tie pre-made, and you're just. Basically, like you said, lassoing them and zipping that thing tight, they're out, they're gone within a minute, and then you 
you take whatever cash you can get because they didn't take his credit cards and run anything up like that. I don't, at the most, I'm thinking when the sister said he had a couple, you know, always carried on around a couple hundred dollars, I'm thinking no more than $300 cash. I know that's not anything to, you know, scoff at, but if you're going to kill somebody, what I wonder, and I just thought about this, you know, that they had the lady that said, they remember him coming into that convenience store after she had come on shift around three in Sonora. I'm wondering if someone in either Sonora or if he had stopped and was fishing someone, well, it wouldn't make any sense if he was fishing, but if he had stopped in Sonora to say buy a drink or something like that, maybe he stopped at another uh, gas station to pick up some water and, he paid for it in cash and someone happened to be waiting behind him and was like, damn, that's a lot of cash. Now I don't see how, unless you just leave in front of him and then go out. But then again, you don't know if he's going to come behind you. See, I kind of, yeah, I mean, it's a good theory, but I think we should talk. I mean, we should explore the, maybe it was a suicide. Yes. And that was one of the bigger things on Reddit. I mean, as unlikely as I believe it to be, I don't truly know that much about zip ties. And if it's capable of pulling itself tight, tight enough to kill yourself, maybe his girlfriend did kill herself or he in fact killed her with a zip tie. And he felt so much guilt from either scenario that he decided to take his own life with a zip tie. And that's one of the prevalent theories online is that he was remorseful and felt kind of like survivor's guilt because he didn't spend the night with her that night. Yeah. And so in kind of a, a nod to her, he committed suicide with a zip tie. Well, like here's I, the thing. I, 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 feel like, I feel like another human being – murdering someone with a zip tie is unlikely. I think killing yourself with a zip tie is extremely unlikely. But again, that's just from my limited experience with zip ties. I know they get tight, but could they possibly get that tight around a neck? The Like I said, the little thumbnail that I saw on, I guess it would be, I'm not using Google, so it would be, whatever search engine I'm using, what it, let's just say Google for the sake of argument. When you type in zip tie murder, there are some thumbnail videos and there's one of a guy. It looks like he has his hands bound, but it, which wouldn't make any sense, but he is actually, there's a loop somehow and he's taking his foot and that zip tie. He's using his foot as the lever to sense down the zip tie around his neck. But again, I just, I know, like you said, it's highly unlikely because we don't have, we would have never thought of a zip tie until someone suggested this case. I just think of as much as he liked the outdoors, as much as he loved riding that motorcycle, I just feel like, and it may be 100% out of the way, and way off base, I just feel like that if he was going to commit suicide, he would do it in a fashion not with a zip tie, I guess. I don't know. And if you see the pictures online, this is not some picturesque 
little place in California where he happened to be murdered is the way they're going. They're stating it. It's just a shitty ass side of the road, barbed wire fence, tumbleweed looking plains grass, to be honest with you. And we'll post pictures of the crime scene and you can see it's not anything picturesque. There's, you know, just grasslands out there and it's not even that pretty of a sky. But anyway, the only other thing that I would say is that his sister feels like that he was killed after the sunset on the 6th. Uh, She did not elaborate in anything that I could say about why she came to that realization, but that was her last thing in the article that I found. So, so coachy, you got anything else? Well, you know, I don't, but what happened during our broadcast this evening in real time, in real time, we got not one, but two five-star reviews. In actual, factual, real time. So that's going to be my recommendation is give us a five-star review. We'll read it on, on the line. On the line. On the line. We'll put it on our MySpace page. <laughs> we got a re- five-star review from Hot Sauce Moss 65. Hot Sauce Moss. It says quality podcast, quality accents. Just two good old boys talking about the mysteries of the world. Keep it up, guys. I look forward to your newest episodes each week. Love you, Coach. Ooh. That's what I'm fucking talking about. Uh-oh. Right there, Uh-oh. Coach getting some love. Is that the one that said I mean, go balls? I don't. No, it's, no, no, the next one, bro. <laughs> These are both very positive reviews, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I contribute very little. But you can't do this shit without me. (laughs) You are correct, sir. You are correct. And nor would I want to. The next one is from a J-D-H-H-R-I-C-J-B-F-B-B-F. Trying to pronounce that. Some cat throw up on the keyboard. (laughs) He or she said, this has become my favorite podcast. The research and information is impressive. The mysteries are intriguing. The delivery is perfect. I really appreciate what y'all do. Go Vols. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's some two. That's that's probably the two best reviews we've ever gotten. One because they loved on you, and the other one because they said Go Vols. Oh, anyway. All right. So <laughs> my recommendation is going to be we have some of the best fans out there anyway. But y'all let us know if you've ever heard of another murder dealing with zip ties. Not that they were bound by zip ties, because, hell, we can find those a dime a dozen. But I mean strangulation by a zip tie, because this is just the oddest damn thing I've ever read. And from what I can gather, and just like last week with Al Kite, Rob seemed to be a very likable guy, man. He was just enjoying life, you know, riding Back roads in California and visiting friends and fishing and taking pictures of blackberry bushes because his his girlfriend loved blackberries. I just I don't know, man. He just it's just it just breaks my heart with two guys in back to back weeks that seem to be, you know, just down to earth, loving life and didn't have an 
enemy in the world. Yeah, we did some pretty, we did two pretty heavy cases in a row. I guess we're going to have to do the cryptic case next week. Yeah, we're going to have to shit on something. And of course, our, our numbers will go down because everybody loves the murder and the disappearances. I mean, it's I know. not. When we do like, we do cryptids, we, we dip. Yeah, we do dip. It. Well, I, there's we, only. This is not this is not a murder podcast. This is a mystery, mystery, mystery podcast. It's mysterious. And we're going to cover the three most ridiculous cryptids you can think of. Well, you may not can think of them, but we're going to scour the internet and see if we can find three ridiculous cryptids, and then we're going to shit on them. (laughs) (laughs) What we may need to do is we, we may need to both come up with three of just the most ridiculous ones and see if they match. That sounds like a plan. And then we can, that way it'll be, you know, reaction. Each other can react to the other's most shitty <laughs> cryptid. All right. That sounds like a good idea. All right, brother. Down with that. You got anything else? I believe I already said, you know, I don't. Deuces. <laughs>